All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. And we are coming to you on a special occasion. Jake, what's a special occasion? The special occasion is this is the final Torah portion of the year. And all so, right. You made it all the way to the end. All right. And, high five. Uh, high five yourself while you're driving or whatever you're doing. Especially but, uh, if you're driving. Yes, if you're driving, uh, high five yourself repeatedly. And what do you call that? Clapping. Clapping, I guess. So <laughs> clap along with us. But we actually have recorded all of the Torah portions, and uh, you can find them on SabbathLounge.com. That's right. So go to Sabbath Lounge, pull out the tab that says, oddly enough, Torah portions. And you'll be able to find them all right there. That's right. So we are glad you came along, and uh, we are going to go right into week 54. And so we, we do ask that you'd subscribe, that you'd like, you'd share if you find this content useful and re- relevant. You need to know, too, that Jake and I pray all the time that uh, that uh, that Yah blesses us with the words, and, and if He doesn't want us to do this anymore, that we won't do it. And uh, we just ask if if you don't mind, if you think about it, pray for Sabbath Lounge and the things that we try to do here and the people we talk about, uh, talk to. Um, we when we do have interviews and all kinds of things that we do here besides the Torah portions. Right. Yes, because if you hadn't noticed, there's also other content on here besides the Torah portions. Yes. But we're glad you're here. And without further ado, what is this, Jake? This is Vizat Habraka, I guess. Or otherwise, the blessing. That was pretty good, actually. Well, I try. So, I, I tried it just before we pushed a record. So. That's good. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. So this is Deuteronomy 33, 1 through thirty four twelve, And so this is like the end of everything. Right. So... And when we're going to come to, we're going to talk about these tribes. And so if you've never seen this before, Jake, what is this thing we're looking at? This is um, essentially the flags of each of the the tribes. Yeah. So uh, if you look earlier when uh, they're, they're setting up their camps and being separated into groups, they're given these different uh, symbols to, to, represent their tribe and then they kind of you know surround the tabernacle and they have these flags that identify which tribe they're with yeah and that that helped you get back to camp uh, when you're camping in the wilderness uh, men women and children you could identify by these flags and so it's some symbolism and icons that get used early um, you know so we talk a lot about the rockefellers being the author of marketing but yeah really is the uh, first person to come up with logos yeah and marketing and uh you know he knew how we how we work and that we like like pretty pictures and so this is a, this was a way now did they look exactly like this i don't know that we know that but uh, but it makes sense that uh, this would help you get back with your people. Right. Especially, I mean, you take that late night stroll with your pointy stick. You need to be able to get back to your, mm-hmm. your side of the camp. That's right. And it is also, it helps you build identity of who you are as a, as, as a, as a family member. And, you know, that's something amazing about, yeah, he allows us to, to be, have our own identity. And, um, and and be who we are, who yeah. we made us to be. So, yep. and so we're going to talk about those personalities and look at these. So we do have something uh, embedded on 
um, the website that we use, which is Sabbath Lounge. I think we're going to go back right there. and forth. There you go. So um, one of the things that you can find this on Sabbath Lounge and where it lists out all of the all the, the different tribes and uh, their kind of the meanings of the names of the tribes. And that's kind of interesting if you've never looked at that. And so there's a direct tie-in over into Genesis. So over in Genesis, you see, um, uh, well, basically we took Genesis 49 and set it side by side with Deuteronomy 33. So if you, you know, we're going to kind of go through and compare what he says to different tribes, but we won't do this in great length, but but we'll kind of just alternate. And the first one he talks about is Reuben in Genesis 49. It's it's kind of longer about 49. And then do, so uh, we, we are going to read the Torah portion. So maybe we'll just focus on Genesis 49.3. And it says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the very first son I had, my first in majesty, first in power. You no longer will be first because you were out of control like a flood and you climbed into your father's bed then you dishonored it. He climbed up on my couch. Get off the couch. <laughs> and get off my couch. Yeah. So then, yeah, as we go through these, you're going to notice something, um, and it kind of jumps out right here. And I'll read the next one. Uh, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Do not let me attend their secret meetings. Do not, do not let me join their assembly. In their anger, they murdered men. At their whim, they crippled cattle. May their anger be cursed because it's so fierce. May their fury be cursed because it's so cruel. I will divide them among the sons of Jacob and scatter them among the tribes of Israel. And then you'll find the sister passage is Deuteronomy uh, 33, 8 through 11 there. And then back to Genesis 49, 8, talks about Judah. Your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son will bow down to you. Judah, you are a lion cub. You've come back from the kill, my son. He lies down and rests like a lion. He is a lioness who dares disturb him. A scepter will never depart from Judah, nor a ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And the people obey him. He will tie his donkey to a grapevine, his colt to the best vine. He will wash his clothes in wine, his garments in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth are whiter than milk. And then you see the parallel passage is Deuteronomy 33.7. Right. And then Zebulun will live by the coast. He will have ships by the coast. His border will go as far as Sidon. And that's Deuteronomy 13, 18 through 19. 33, 18 33, through 19, yeah. sorry. And then Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the saddlebags. When he sees that his resting place is good and that his land is pleasant, he will bend his back to the burden and he will become a slave laborer. Oof, no thanks. And then that sister passage uh, that, that lumps those together in Deuteronomy. Right. And then Dan... In Genesis 49, Dan will hand down decisions for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a snake on a road, a viper on a path that bites a horse's heels so that its rider falls off backwards. I wait with hope for you to rescue me, O Yahweh. And then Deuteronomy 33, 22. 
And then in four, Genesis 49, 19, Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders, but he will strike back at their hills. And then the sister passage is Deuteronomy 33, 20 through 21. And then back in Genesis, Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. And that goes with 30, Deuteronomy 34, 33, 24 through 25. And then Naphtali is a doe set free that has beautiful fawns. And you find that in Deuteronomy 33, 23. And Joseph is a fruitful tree, a fruitful tree by a spring with branches climbing over a wall. Archers provoke him, shot at him, and attacked him, but his bow stayed steady and his arms remained limber. Because of the help of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of the El of your father who helps you, because of the Shaddai who gives you blessings from the heavens above, blessings from the deep springs below the ground, blessings from the breasts and womb, the blessings of your father are greater than the blessings of the oldest mountains and the riches of the ancient hills. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph and the crown of the prince among his brothers. And then this is where in Deuteronomy, it's it's slightly different order because this is Deuteronomy 33, 13 through 17. But Jake, what do you notice so far in what we've looked at? What stands out about the length of the particular tribes, each one? Looks like uh, Joseph gets a lot more. Yeah, length. Yeah, quite a bit more. Just looking at percentages on the page as we scroll up, you know, uh, Judah had a bunch in Genesis, but less than Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we, we Levi had a bunch as well. So, but that's um, it is interesting that you see so much here with Joseph, and that's Ephraim and Manasseh. And then the last one is Benjamin and Benjamin 49, uh, Genesis 49. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours his prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. Then you see it in 33:12 in Deuteronomy. Right. So if you notice, there's a lot of animal references there as there are also animal references in the symbols for the tribes. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's interesting too, you know, things like a wolf, is a wolf unclean. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting that, uh, and I guess a donkey would be too, you know, it's yeah. and a lion a for lion. that, for that matter. So, yeah. It, so it, they all have a purpose and that purpose isn't to eat. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. And, and, um, yeah, but it but, but I, that's on the website. I will make that available. It'll be called Week Fifty Four in the Torah portions, and I'll link it into the page uh, with the Torah portions. Yep. Anything else? No. Uh, so we're going to go through each one of these and kind of see how uh, why they kind of go together. Yeah. Yeah. So, but before we do that. So let's go back to the presentation here we started. And Jake, have you thought about this? Why does the Torah portion finish at the fall feast? You know, uh, I have thought about it, but not enough to come to an answer. I just kind of thought, well, eh, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we started off saying week 54, when, whereas we all know there's 52 weeks in a year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, confusing too. <laughs> because, so, yeah. So what did you come up with? Well, not that I claim to know anything, 
<laughs> but it, it did kind of dawn on me today because it's always perplexed me. First off, I kind of checked out, you know, where did the Torah portions come from? You know, why do we do that? Who made those? How did that come to be? And, you know, and I feel like the the Torah part, the way it's divided is pretty accurate and probably hasn't changed much since the time of Yeshua, maybe the Torah and the prophets. But clearly the Tanakh, the New Testament is divided differently. And that's, you know, hasn't been as set in stone uh, as long as this other portion has. Right. But, but it is interesting for some reason that they, we, we know that the beginning of the year starts at Passover. Right. And it makes sense, always made sense to me that if Passover is the beginning, why don't we start at Genesis? And, and that would be where our Torah portions start. So if you've ever thought that before, I'm with you. That's what I thought until today. And then today it just kind of hit me. It makes sense that as we are coming in, you know, we just had the day of shouting, Yom Teruah, and uh, we anticipate the Messiah coming back. And in the the little sliver of the moon represents the light of his torch of the groom coming back to get his bride. And it makes sense that he's coming back to get his bride. He's been prepared. Uh, just like what you see towards the end of Deuteronomy, you see a bride that's been prepared. And so this bride, he's been working on this bride for a minute. <laughs> yeah. So 40 plus years. And it's been ugly. Yeah. And it's been difficult. It was, a, you could even say a tribulation yeah. has occurred. And so they've gone undergone trials and tribulations to get them to the point where they are worthy to go into the promised land. And so it makes sense that at this time of year, we're preparing for us to go meet our bride uh, or, or for us to be the bride and meet our groom. And that um, Deuteronomy is also kind of preparing them to go into the promised land. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of references to heaven being the promised land and that, you know, whatever you think about what that's going to be and what that's new Jerusalem, you know, that that's all kinds of things there that you, right. you know, you could have an opinion on, but we know that, uh, this rest and this, you know, uh, this last great day where we're, where we're communing with, with God every day, which, you know, we've all been working for, uh, it makes sense that, uh, this is in preparation and kind of putting the final touches touches on us and the greater exodus uh, as we leave Egypt and enter that promised land one more time. It just kind of makes sense. Maybe maybe that's why this is ending where it ends. Yeah, that it ends at the fall feasts where which are an ending of themselves. They're not the end of the year, but they're the end of of the uh, prophetic plan. Mm-hmm. And you can <clears throat> even make an argument that. That, you know, you could argue all kinds of things here, but that when Yeshua comes back, some things are going to be different. We, we don't know, but, you know, there's kind of a tip of a hat, you know, where he says not one jot or tittle will pass from the law until the two witnesses of heaven and earth have passed away. And so in this new millennium, you know, there's going to be some things that pass away and uh, and. Um, things are going to be different. And it, it kind of alludes that, you know, that it would be a start for something new. And that would make sense and why you would start it here. Yeah. And, and, it, and it will make the, the other exodus look like nothing 
And so it makes sense that it would have its own kind of marker in time, different right. from what had been done before. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, there are a lot of people that say this is the beginning of the what, civil year or something. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't I think that's just all tradition, man-made tradition, really. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, Babylonian, essentially. Yeah. But but I don't know. You know, you tell me what you think. Put it in comments. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe that's all way off. Maybe that made no sense. I don't know. <laughs> just just let us know. Well, I think too, uh, and I've heard this a few times and was reminded of it recently, how um, when you look at the creation account, it kind of starts with a his voice shouting, you know, the mm -hmm. uh, creation existing because of the words mm -hmm. that he yeah. speaks into existence. And so that's like a shout. That's it's, it's almost like it actually started at Yom Teruah, you know, day of trumpets, day of shouting. And then they have the seven days of creation and rest. And then uh, you kind of have your 10 days of awe there. And then you have this fall at what would seem to be a day of atonement kind of situation. And then they're expelled from the the garden and off in their, you know, Sioux coating into the wilderness at that point. So it almost seems like the, the trajectory of scripture, it starts with the fall feasts and then carries on the spring feast have been fulfilled. And now we're back to fall feast preparation essentially. So it's, it's kind of come full circle. It seems. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that's a good point. And it's a good point about, um, just want to talk about, because we talked about it in our group on our last Shabbat about the power of, of the word. And there is something interesting that happens in the word because he talks a lot about blessed are the ones that, that hear the reading of the word. And, you know, there's just, or hear the word. And there's just a lot of this conversation about being blessed because you hear the word. And um, there's not talk of reading the word, although people could read, but there's something powerful about the spoken word. And especially when we speak his word out loud and listen to it. Um, and so if you don't do that, you need to do that. Speak his word over your house, over your family, over everything you do. And it's a powerful thing. And, you know, encourage you sometimes to go through these Torah portions and use, you know, I have to say that that Bible app that everyone has on a phone, um, the audio part on it's pretty good, and just play that or whatever it is that you know, whichever version. Or read it out loud. One. Yeah, yeah, but uh, just you know, having that, just play it and listen to it. Sometimes it sometimes it's a different experience, and you might pick up something that you don't see when you read it, because sometimes maybe your mind is a little more free. Because sometimes when you read it, you're literally focused on each letter. And when you're listening to the word being spoken to you, you your, your focus is a little different. And maybe you can be a little more open to maybe some things because um, you're not so dialed in on the word in front of you. Yeah. I don't know. Just try it. See if it helps you. Use all your senses. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, but definitely there's power in the spoken word and you see it at creation. Yeah. And it makes sense that... That those two events would be tied together. Exactly. So we'll move along. 
put your thoughts in the comments. Yeah, let us know what you think. So, Jake, I guess we'll just take turns. All right. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 33. Moses, the man of Elohim, blessed the Israelites with this blessing before he died. He said, Yahweh came from Sinai. For his people, he rose from Seir like the sun. He appeared like sunshine from Mount Paran. He came with tens of thousands of holy ones. On his right was a raging fire for them. You certainly love your people. All your holy ones are in your hands. They bow at your feet to receive your instructions. Moses gave us these teachings. They belong to the assembly of Jacob. All right. So what that last thing say, you were talking about that earlier in verse four about belonging to the assembly of Jacob. So I think you had some thoughts. Yeah. So uh, let, let, let me read it in a different translation. See if it uh, jumps out at you. Moses commanded us a law even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. So where it says teachings here, that's really what Torah is. It's instructions, right? Moses gave us the Torah and it belong, it's the inheritance of Jacob. So it's what Jacob has inherited. So why are we trying to get rid of the inheritance? Why does the church try to get rid mm-hmm. of the inheritance that Israel has received? And I think part of it is because they don't realize they're Israel or yeah. supposed to be Israel. Well, and it's interesting too that he uses Jacob here, not Israel. Yeah. Because a lot of the times when you see, I've always heard it said, when you see Jacob, it's him in the flesh. When you see Israel, it's him in the spirit. Yeah. But also it, to me, that's maybe done intentionally because, you know, it's 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 done on purpose this way. Yeah. And you know, I don't know that that's a hard and fast rule. I I, I see it, you know, kind of used interchangeably certain places. I think sometimes you can make that make that uh, uh, make that case, but mm-hmm. I think other times you can't. Yeah. So it's yeah. ki- kind of depends. You got to study that out. And it's interesting because many people would assume that this belonged to the Levites or even the tribe of Judah. Yeah. But he says specifically Jacob. Yeah. Which is all of us. It's yeah, it's all it's all of them, right? Yeah. Which also, sorry, which also goes to the fact that in judges and other places when we and even in David when we see people in such disarray that you can't put it all on the priests and the Levites and say it's their fault. It was all of the people's fault because they should have known the things to do and then they didn't follow the Torah and read it and, and they didn't hold it. their, their they people accountable. accountable. Yeah. 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 And if you've listened to our channel for any length of time, then you've heard us mention that there, yeah. there are other leaders besides the priests Yeah, and they're meant to hold each other accountable. Yeah. Kind of a checks and balances. Yeah. Matt, so, what do you think about this verse here? He came with tens of thousands of holy ones on his right was a raging fire for them. What do you mean on his right? I thought, you know, he was the raging fire. Isn't that interesting? It is. That is. Is he talking about the raging, the cloud, the pillar of fire? That's what it sounds like. So, and so another, tens of uh, thousands of holy ones, you know, makes me think, you know, it does say in different places where he basically says, I'm going to go out before you and I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is also... Uh, Yeshua language yes. here. Oh, yeah. Right mm-hmm. hand, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. 
Well, we'll continue on and we'll start in, in uh, 33.5. Yahweh was king of Jeserun when the leaders of the people assembled together with all the tribes of Israel. May the tribe of Reuben live and not die out, though their people are few in number. This is what he said about the tribe of Judah. Hear the cry of Judah, O Yahweh, and bring them to their people. They must defend themselves, help them against their enemies. Hmm. That seems quite uh, perfunctory. Perfunctory? Yeah. That's a good word. I don't think it applies, but it came to mind. Yeah, that's fine. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I think uh, um, I think prescient would be the better word. Because uh, prophetically, this cry of uh, the cry of Judah, I mean, what do we know about history? They cried out a lot uh, and were destroyed a lot. Yeah. And yet, you know, still maintained. I think of the Maccabees a lot when I think of this, this kind of thing here. You know, they must defend themselves, help them against their enemies, and they've needed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for sure. I think that's, I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, continuing on. About the tribe of Levi, he said, Your Thummim and Urim belong to your faithful people. You tested your people at Massa. You quarreled with them at the oasis of Meribah. They said that they they didn't know their father and mother. They didn't recognize their own brothers. They didn't acknowledge their own children. But they obeyed your word and were faithful to the terms of your promise. They teach Jacob your rules and give Israel your teachings. They burn incense for you to smell and sacrifice burnt offerings on your altar. Once again, this one is interesting in 10 where it separates Jacob and Israel. So uh, Jacob gets taught the rules. Israel gets the teachings. See, I would think that would be more along the lines of when he repeats himself. So I think he's, I th- I think he's accentuating the fact He's, he's linking Jacob and Israel as the same entity, right? So, so they teach Jacob your rules and give Israel your teachings. It's kind of the same thing. So mm-hmm. I think he's just accenting the fact that, um, that that's what he's doing. Kind of similar when you see uh, um, where he talks about faith and obedience. Uh, it's usually written similar to this. Um, so... Uh, when really he's saying he's equating faith and obedience in in those cases, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was kind of curious in Deuteronomy thirty three ten is where we are, and if you look at the blue letter Bible or the the Hebrew on it, um, it says, "Huh, it does say the Torah, the law." And thou shalt put incense before thee and hold burnt sacrifice upon their altar. Yeah, so this is teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. Mm-hmm. Yep, in verse 10 there. What does it say? Look at verse 9 in the, the Hebrew. Um, observe thy word and thy covenant kept. Yeah, kept uh, for they have observed thy word and kept your covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so similar. It's almost like 
Mm, almost like faith with works, kind of. Yes, like that faith and both, obedience concept, right? Both going hand in hand. So they heard it and they put it into practice. So it's it's basically James, the book of James. Yeah. So it's so, uh, yeah. That's Levi has these <laughs> these uh, uh, I don't know requirements put on them. They're, yeah. they're the ones uh, spreading this stuff around, making sure everything's going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we said before, they're going to have backup from the leaders appointed by Moses, right? Yeah. And moving on, uh, 11, Yahweh bless them with strength and be pleased with the work they do. Break the backs of those who attack them and hate them so that they can never get up again. About the tribe of Benjamin, he said, Yahweh's beloved people will live securely with him. Yahweh will shelter them all day long since he too lives on the mountain slopes. He sure does. Because he's a wolf. All right. About the tribes of Joseph, he said, May Yahweh bless their land with water, the best gift heaven can send, with dew and deep springs below the ground. May Yahweh bless their land with crops, the best gift the sun can give, the best produce of each month, the finest fruits from the oldest mountains, the best from the ancient hills, and the most plentiful crops of the earth. May Yahweh bless their land with the favor of the one who is in the burning bush. May these blessings come to the tribes of Joseph. May they crown the people who are like princes in Israel. I like that. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. And we talked about a minute ago, Joseph gets this really long section here. And it's interesting that um, may they crown the people who are like princes in Israel. Yeah. So there is this concept of, you know, being a prophet and a priest or being a, uh, sorry, not prophet and priest, but being a priest and king. Yeah. And uh, definitely seems to be found here. And they will be as majestic as a firstborn bull. Their horns will be like the horns of a wild ox. They will use them to push away nations, including those at the ends of the earth. The tens of thousands from the tribe of Ephraim and the... Okay, so the tens of thousands from the tribe of Ephraim and the thousands from the tribe of Manasseh will be like this. About the tribe of Zebulun, he said... People of Zebulun, enjoy yourselves when you go to war. And you people of Issachar, enjoy yourselves when you stay at home. They will invite nations to their mountain, and they there they will offer their proper sacrifices. They will be nourished by the abundance from the seas and the treasures hidden in the sand. Ooh. So these guys are going to be pirates. Or is it oil? Or they're going to have, have metal detectors. It's oil. Could be oil. That would be a treasure hidden in the sand, yeah. wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I think I think this is interesting too. We have verse seventeen there. They will be as majestic as a firstborn bull. Now, how many times is the word bull used in scripture? I mean, a, a few or like a million almost. <laughs> Probably yeah, used a bunch. <laughs> closer to a thousand, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at those for those following along, this word here is re. Hamey, Riamy, something like that. Anyway, it says the exact meaning is not known. Oh. So why didn't they just use bull there if they meant bull? 
This version says unicorn. Oh, what do you think of them people, apples? Some people call that a rhinoceros. <clears throat> some people do. Yes. I think the Bible calls it a rhinoceros. I think there's also alternate theories out there. Yeah. So get creative in the comments. Yeah. Let us know what you think that really is talking about. Yes. We want to see some unicorns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't put unicorns. <laughs> just, just explain what you think it means. <laughs> That's up to you. Okay. Just don't put magical unicorns. In yes. It. Magic's bad. About the tribe of Gad, he said, Blessed is the one who gives the people of Gad more land. They wait there like a lion. They can tear off an arm or a head. They chose the best land for themselves. Indeed, a commander's piece of land was reserved for them. They were leaders of the people and did for Israel what Yahweh considers fair and honorable. About the tribe of Dan, he said, The people of Dan are a lion cub. Out of Bashan, they pounce on their enemies. Who else did he say was a lion? Judah. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that Dan gets uh, uh, to be a lion cub. Gad, you mean? Gad, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, it says right here, the people of Dan are a lion cub. Oh, yeah. So My this bad. is Gad and Dan together. Yeah. Yeah, Gad is also a lion at the top here. Yeah, they wait, yeah, there, they like wait there like a lion. So lots of lion imagery going on here. Yeah, and we encourage you to go back and look at Genesis 49 and see where they lay out the same kind of information about the tribes and mm -hmm. see how they're different, see how they're the same. About the tribe of Naphtali, he said, the people of Naphtali enjoy Yahweh's favor and are filled with Yahweh's blessings. They will take possession of the lake and the land south of it. About the tribe of Asher, he said, the people of Asher are the most blessed of the sons of Israel. Ooh. May they be the Israel may they be the Israelites' favorite tribe and wash their feet in olive oil. May the locks and bolts of your gates be made of iron and copper. May your strength last as long as you live. So Jake, may the locks and bolts of your gate be made of iron and copper. That's right. Uh, Not well, plastic. Well, if I've just dipped my feet in oil, I won't be able to run away. So I'll, yeah, need, I'll, fall down. I'll need those protective gates. Maybe so. So that's, that's an right. interesting thing, though, about the gates. That's a Gates are a uh, defensive stronghold kind of... Uh, you know, tool. They're a defensive yeah. tool. That's why later in uh, the New Testament, when it talks about uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, right? And it's it's that's a defensive side from from their perspective. It's because Ye Yeshua is going to come and attack them, and they will not be able to stand against it. Yeah, I think we mix that up and think that we're defending against them you know, against, against hell, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. But really that's a defensive stance on their part. Mm. Yeah. It's good. There's no one like your Elohim, Jeshurun. He rides through the heavens to help you. In majesty, he rides through the clouds. The eternal Elohim is your shelter and his ever everlasting arms support you. He will force your enemies out of your way and tell you to destroy them. So Israel will live securely. Jacob's spring will be left alone in a land of grain and new wine. Dew will drip from Israel's skies. Ooh. Yeah, so this uh, riding in the clouds, 
What kind of imagery does that remind you of? End times. Yeah. Yeshua coming back. And then, you know, 28, you, once again, you see Israel and Jacob. So, I mean, there, there's something going on with the names. Yeah. Um, of, you know, where he's saying Israel lives securely. Jacob Spring will be left alone. So definitely, definitely painting this imagery of, you could argue, um, you know, a new heaven, a new earth kind of thing, even a future thing that can happen here. So definitely is good, a good thing here. If you, if you, uh, if your land is full of grain and new wine and, you know, dew dripping from the sky would mean rain and uh, things are good. That's right. You need rain. You are blessed, Israel, who is like you, a nation saved by Yahweh. He's a shield that helps you and a sword that wins your victories. Your enemies will come crawling to you, and you will stomp on their backs. Emphasis added. That's right. It it wasn't in the text. (laughs) (laughs) This is the dramatization of of the scriptures. I don't think there was an attitude with it. So then we're on to chapter 34. Let me check my little notes here, see if I missed anything. Nope, we hit the thing I wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, So yeah, I'll just go on with this here, unless you had a note in between. Okay. Then Moses went up on Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab. He went to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. Yahweh showed him the whole land. He could see Gilead as far as Dan. All of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the territory of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the Jordan Plain, the Valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then Yahweh said to him, This is the land I promised with an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I said I would give it to their descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you may not go there. As Yahweh had predicted, Yahweh's servant Moses died in Moab. He was buried in a valley in Moab near Beth Peor. Even today, no one knows where his grave is. Probably a good thing people don't know where his grave is. Yeah. um, Interesting here. um, The note with no one knowing where his grave is. There's a scenario, and I'm not remembering exactly where right now, but where um, Michael protects the the dead body essentially of Moses from Satan, right? Yes. And uh, I think that's pretty interesting because perhaps he plays a role at a later date. Wee wee. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, if you basically Jude one, Jude one, nine, uh, Jude one, nine refers to an event um, where that very thing is, that's so that's where your scripture reference would be for that Jude one nine. Okay. So something you ought to go look up and see, check it out for yourself. But and and I think that if people would have found his body, especially back then, I mean, he could have become an idol. He could have been, I mean, it could have been bad. Yeah. So, or people could have dug it up and tried to use it for power. I mean, just who knows what people people do weird things, and it's a beautiful picture too of of basically Yahweh, you know. Uh, taking care of him in 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 his grave and at the death. Yeah. So, and oh, then, uh, yeah. Uh, did you have something? 
Well, the, you had, yeah, I know you have a question about on the next one that you were going to say. Okay. Yeah. I'll bring something up here okay. first though. Um, the, Oh, so it, when I read through this, it kind of made me think, I wonder if this is like the exact spot Abraham was standing when he was told this will be your land. Nothing you know what I possible. mean? And, and it is similar in that one passage where he tells Moses to go up and look, I think it was on Mount Nebo or Pisgah when he said, go look northeast, southwest, and this is the land. Yeah, he's told him this before, mm-hmm. and it's all around him as in he's standing in the land. Yeah, yeah. So, tough moment. Yeah. The end of an era. Yep. <laughs> Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight never became poor. He never lost his physical strength. The Israelites mourned for him mourn for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. When the time of mourning for him was over, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the Ruach of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. The Israelites obeyed him and did what Yahweh had commanded through Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom Yahweh dealt with face to face. He was the one Yahweh sent to do all the miraculous signs and amazing things in Egypt to Pharaoh. To all his officials... In his whole country, Moses used his mighty hand to do all the spectacular and awe-inspiring deeds that were seen by all of the Israelites. So, a couple things here is interesting: is his age, 120 years old. So, isn't this the age that Yahweh said, uh, "I will not uh, strive with man for longer than 120 years"? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and then. Also, explain how these 120 years are broken up in Moses' life. Uh, I have seen that, but I don't remember. The, the amazing thing to me, though, before we do that is, is you know, his eyesight, and he never lost his physical strength. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a bad mamma jamma. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, he could still do all the things he could at 20, 30. And, you know, not many people at 120 um, get to do that. So, yeah. so that's amazing, you know, especially he, these days. Yes. Yes. Uh, especially these days. So, so you're saying about his life can be divided into different sections. I yeah, think so, I've seen that, but I don't, I can't explain it. So he was in Egypt for 40 years mm. and then he was in the wilderness for 40 years. And then he, um, oh, so he was in Egypt for 40 years. Then he was at, uh, He's on Mount Sinai twice for 40, 40 days. No. So when he left Egypt, when he, oh. when he killed the Egyptian uh-huh. when and he left Jethro's Egypt, he was with Jethro for Midian. 40 years. Yeah. Right. So he had his 40 years of, of growing up, essentially. And then he had his 40 years of, of, of learning under Jethro, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he was prepared to lead at that point. So he wasn't just thrust into leadership. He had all this time kind of going into it. And it's odd that it's broken up specifically to 40 years mm. in each of those segments, I think. Yeah, I think that's interesting and also encouraging because I think a lot of people, they get older and they go, I'm done. And that's not true. Um, so if you're listening to this and you are somebody of, of a little age and you're, you find yourself uh, like Moses, 
um, you're still extremely useful. And, uh, you know, if he can use Moses at 80, he can use you at whatever point you are at as well. And so that should give us hope. Exactly. But, uh, but it is amazing. So it is, uh, you know, you can feel that there, there had to be this heaviness that fell on this, on this group. Yeah. I think, uh, it's a bummer. Yeah. It was, uh, at least for 30 days, they were sad. 30 days, yeah. <laughs> okay, no more sad. That's yeah, all over. Get over it. Time to <laughs> get over it. So uh, really interesting here is this Moses, uh, you know, not a prophet like Moses then or since. Um, kind of shows you the the caliber of, of person that Yahweh made that, because Moses, again, is not the hero of the story. Yahweh is the hero of the story. But you can s- see from Moses' life, his testimony, the power of Yahweh. And we are fortunate to see his entire life, basically. We've seen when he's born, and we now we've seen him dead. So Yeah, no, that's good. Good point. And clearly, he's the person with the most... Uh, probably the most by volume scripture dedicated to him. Yeah. 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 He gets a good portion. So Jake, you brought up this, you know, what, what's it, what do you think it'd be like to talk about one's death the way Moses does here? So I think I tend to lean toward, okay. So the question that one might ask is who wrote the Torah, Matt? Yeah, who did, but he Whose did hand? it through the hand of Moses. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so that's the argument, right? Wow, Moses wrote the Torah. Did he write this very last part? That seems like that'd be hard to do. It seems like it. Unless he did it right before he died. Yeah, yeah. I think your options would have to be, well, Yahweh gave him, you know, the vision to see and know what to write down. Or what seems to make more sense to me is, well, Joshua was, was there with him. Mm-hmm. and probably wrote down the last parts because you can see also uh moses remember is the most humble man right mm-hmm. but he's talked up a lot in the end here and i think that that's makes sense that it would be joshua giving reverence to moses and all he had done for them and how faithful he had been through the wilderness dealing mm-hmm. with these people mm-hmm. so i think that uh I think that makes a lot of sense that, that probably Joshua wrote these last, this last part here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. So I think we've come to the end of the entire Torah portions and time to start over. Yeah. So after you read this, roll that scroll back and, uh, or flip to the beginning. Yeah. And then, uh, start back over. And Jake can testify to this. If you have small children, the scroll rolling is something, you know, does, you know, does the Torah say roll back the scroll? No, there's not a scripture that says that, but clearly that's what we're doing when we go back and start in Genesis. But, you know, uh, we live differently. We don't have, we don't read off of a scroll. At least I don't, um, maybe you do, uh, at home, but most of us, uh, don't do that, but it's a great thing to do with children, I believe. Yeah. Um, and old people like it too. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> well, Jake has done it before in our group and he brought a big scroll and rolled it out on a big old table. 
and uh, it uh, it's uh, more complicated than you would think. It takes a minute. Yeah. You got to be good at scroll rolling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, can you fold a map, Jake? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I wadded up in a ball mm-hmm, and then I put it under something heavy. That, that's good. I'm sure your dad is proud. <laughs> He's proud of that. So my wife's real good with a map though. Yeah. Well, you know, we, somebody was talking about that the other day about uh, nobody knows how to fold a map because, you know, nobody under probably, I don't know, probably anyone under 30 doesn't never, never used a map. Yeah. That's like a map. Why would I use a map? You mean this thing on this screen? Yeah. So that's a lost art people don't know how to do. Yeah. So just like rolling the scroll. That's right. That was the tie-in, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were just off on tangents. <laughs> I was going to start talking about uh, what I had for dinner. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, no, uh, you're right. It, uh, I think it's, uh, um, I think there's a Jewish tradition of, rolling the scroll back but you know when we started doing it it wasn't from that it was just hey we're at the beginning we gotta start we yeah. gotta roll this thing back up <laughs> what's well, a good hands-on tangible thing anything you can do to get children involved in all of this you pro- it's worth doing because it's something that they can do exactly so we encourage you to uh, get in the torah portions and read them as a family yep out loud to each other yes and uh, do it with a group. And if you need help finding a group, go to Fellowship Finder. Where is that at? Uh, well, we have it on our website, I believe. Yes, and on Psalm 119 Ministries, yep. both places. And you can type in your location, and you might find a group right next to you. Uh, and it might be us. Yeah, it could be us. So <laughs> uh, check out that. And uh, you know, typically you you know you want to check them out and send an email and have a conversation, and just make sure that you know they're not crazy. <laughs> and uh, there's no crazies, Matt, because <laughs> there are some crazies out there, and even in the Torah community, some some people you you just want to make sure you know what you're walking into. Um, yeah, make sure you're equally yoked with the people you're getting involved with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we encourage you to, uh, and, and if there's not one close to you, you know what you need, what they need to do, Jake? What's that, Matt? They need to start one. There you go. And start with your family. And even if it's just you and your kids and your wife, your spouse, maybe your cousin and your dog, you know, that's a place to start. And, uh, may, you know, maybe along the way you meet a friend and say, hey, come come do this thing with us. And uh, but but if you don't have a fellowship, don't sit there and go, woe is me. I wish I had a fellowship. <laughs> I Nobody I loves me. And you know what? With the way the Internet is now, there's so many like online groups that you can go watch their Sabbath. Yeah. Studies. And yeah. you can even comment and call in with questions and you can actually become part of that fellowship. Yeah, yeah. I've even heard people maybe in the TikToks talking about how they're part of some remote fellowship like that and and they're kind of a virtual oops, I hit the mic, kind of a virtual member of something. And you know, this is a There's amazing, just a lot of options, yeah. yeah. Amazing day and age, which there's there's really no excuse for you if if you truly want to be a part of a fellowship, they're out there. Yeah. And you can't say they don't exist. So we hope you find one. You hope we hope you uh, get plugged into one. If you need help with how to start one, what does this look like? How do we do it? We'd be happy to help. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, you can send us an email. Um, or, Put comments. Yeah, yeah, if you care to. 
So we also have a video that we have posted that you could kind of hear our thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're shy and don't want to be reaching out. That's right. And then uh, Jake, tell them what, what, what else do we want them to do with, um, like and subscribe. Yeah, and give it thing. the thumbs up. Hit yeah. the hit the dinner bell so you can uh, get notifications whenever we post a new item. And we just always appreciate if you tell other people about this and and let them know, uh, you know what what um, what we do and and hopefully we you find this content to be useful and beneficial. And there's there's interviews and and more at sabbathlounge.com. And, um, yeah, this is meant to, uh, supplement your own studies, not to be your study. (laughs) And we are kind of rambling, but we are kind of some, some, and I feel like we need to spend a minute just kind of summarizing, you know, this Torah portion section and that, you know, there are many resources out there. We have one of many, uh, if you don't like ours, find another one They're they're out there. And so, uh, we borrowed heavily from uh, May, Re- May Robski, but rest in peace. But he has one on his website, and, and we built a Torah portions that you click on and navigate through, very similar to what he did. And uh, we know just encourage you to find a, a way to plug in to, to that. And if you if you haven't been able to do this whole year in the Torah portions, well, you're about to start a new year and about to have an opportunity to kind of start over and do that. And, and we, we think as you study through the Torah portions, it takes a few years before you really start to feel comfortable and, and, and start getting it. And, um, but, you know, hang in there and, and keep doing it. And, um, we, we appreciate that you are along, been along the ride so far with us and we just thank you. Yep. Thank you. And I think that's all the words I have to say, Jake. All right. So this has been Torah Matt. portions. With Matt and Jake. That's right. right? Yep. The end of the Torah portions for this current, um, I don't know, year, I guess, uh, and and, uh, and then starting over this time next year will be same place. Back to number. Yep. Well, back to 54. Yep. Back to 54. So this is Matt and Jake signing out.